Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art of FolkConjure.com, located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjureman of ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we welcome our special guest, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com in the Twin Cities of Minnesota in Afghanistan, bringing us today's tutorial on spellwork in the season. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjureman. Miss Cat? Hi. Boy, we have quite a little crowd in the chat room today. Hi, Miss Michael. Hi, Papa Newt. Hi, J.D. If I don't call your name, it's just because you've scrolled off the list. <laughs> it's a, this is a, a topic, obviously, has drawn in a crowd, and we're so glad to have you all here. Um, here are sunny, spring-like, a little on the warm side. I have been working so hard that I hardly know day from night at this point on the finishing touches of my book, Astrology for Root Workers. And this book is going to satisfy some people's needs, blow some people's minds, and probably send some people off going, what? (laughs) Because it is not just another book on astrology. I do not tell you how to cast a chart in this book. The book is about historical root workers with their names, if I can find them, and the dates and the towns they lived in, which I can pretty much always get, and what they had to say about casting spells with astrology. And I'm calling this the No Math Astrology for Root Workers book. There is a little math in it. You have to be able to count to 12, okay? So that's it. Count to 12, <laughs> and then you have to be able to divide 12 by 3, or by 4, or by 2, or by 6, or by 1, or by 12. And once you've done that, that's it. That's all the math. So pretty simple. Most kids learn this by third grade. So maybe it's a third grade astrology book. But what it's about is how to cast spells. And it's just spell after spell after spell. Spells of the waning moon, spells of the waxing moon, spells of the change of the moon, spells of the dark moon, in which we learn that what European American astrologers and astronomical astrologers and astronomers called the new moon is not called the new moon in African-American mm. culture generally. It's called the change of the moon. And it is not the dark moon. The dark moon is called the dark moon, and the change of the moon is called the change of the moon, and that's the first crescent, which indicates a 
historical background going back to Africa or mm-hmm. Native America. But um, oh yes, contraband is going mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Muslim <laughs> or Jewish, right? Muslim, yep. Jewish, yep. Native American, African. So this separation of the dark moon from the new moon, or the new calling the new moon is the change of the moon. I've had to do some interpretation here because people being interviewed in an attempt to please a white interviewer will try to use his language, but then they mess up what they're actually saying. Like they'll say, the new moon, when you see the first crescent, uh uh-uh, that's not what white people call the new moon. White people call that the dark of the moon. So this is an interpretive job. I've been working really hard on this book, folks. It's going to be interesting. Just like my book, Paper in My Shoe, which I predicted would not sell more than a couple of dozen copies, I am predicting that this book will not sell more than a couple of dozen copies. I hope to be proven wrong. I think that there's a market for it, but it's a soft sell. You've got to explain to people, why would I want to do astrology the way a black root worker did it in Fredericksburg, Virginia in 1935? But I know some of you would like to know. (laughs) And so that's what I've been doing. I'm working so hard on it. And um, I really hope you all like it. I want to put a big thanks to Gray Wolf Townsend. I posted the art on my um, Facebook and Instagram feed today for the cover. And he did a lot of work on that art. I want to thank um, Papa G for turning in some fantastic right under a deadline um, pictures of some coins pierced with holes to use in conjure style astrology. And I want to thank everybody else who's helped contribute. Uh, Deacon Millet has put in a few ideas. And, um, well, it's all in the book. I thank everybody in the book. So, And I want to thank Miss Michael for turning her book, Sneaky Tricks in on Time, so I could be late on my book. <laughs> We're all going to press together. And the third book is An Artist Among the Spirits um, by Reverend John St. Germain. And it's about Adele Clemens. And that is being edited and typeset by none other than Deacon Millet. And um, all praise, all glory to Deacon Millet, an editor and typesetter from way back when. All right. Um, Yeah, the the Reverend Art has posted some links so you can see the covers for Astrology for Root Workers and Sneaky Tricks. And he says, of course, Reverend Art, he knows his business. Time is ticking away. Get your tickets to the festival. These books are time to come out at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, June 10th and 11th, which is why they're going to press now. If you buy your ticket, you will get these books included in your goodie box. Three books, three lectures that have books with them, plus another seven workshops that have spell material, herbs, roots, curios, candles, you name it. So we're going to have a real nice program at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And it's going to be something for everyone, a little bit of something for everyone. We'll talk more about that maybe a little bit later. Having said all of that, and I know I I go through it all the time, a few more shout-outs. We're up to even another group of people who just entered the chat. Hi, the Red Queen 9111. And hi, I, Patricia. Hey, Patricia. So nice to see you here. I'm going to turn this over to Conjurman. What is new in your little world, man? 
Things are, are going well. It's, as you mentioned, uh, warm, which is great because we've had a bit of a deluge the past uh, couple months, we should say, in, in California in particular, but also in the East Coast. Uh, so it's been, it's it's nice to start to see the first hints of uh, spring. So that's quite lovely. I do want to say, though, I know that your your expectations for selling this book are relatively low, but I hope that they are proven wrong. If you are a root worker and you're interested into getting into astrology, this book is what you need. This is the book that is going to help you in that regard. And you might think, oh, well, why should I care about astrology? Why should it matter? I think the word astrology here might be misleading. Sometimes when you think astrology, you think pouring over charts. Astrology includes things like timing, knowing when to cast a spell and when not to cast a spell, when to pick your candles based off of the phase of the moon, that is also a type of astrology. Astrology has multiple different branches. And one of the keys to success that I was taught as a root doctor was timing. You've got to know when to light your candles. Now, that can be a variety of different symbolic techniques. And we've talked about this on the show over and over again. It can be the hands of the clock. It can be the rising and the setting of the sun. It can be the days. It can be anything. When you link your, your ritual work, when your candle work, or your spell work to timing, you increase the chances of success. The most powerful root work has some type of timing component. If you can go and listen to any or read any of the recipes that come out of the old tradition, whether in Hyatt or elsewhere, you will see that many of them have timing built into it. Do this on a flyer. Do this when there's a change of the moon. Do this when the moon is waxing, when the moon is waning, when the moon is here. That's the key to one of the major keys for spell work success is knowing when and how to link your magic with timing. And astrological timing is incredibly powerful. So books like what Ms. Cat is writing, Astrology for Root Workers, it's crucial for mastering that type of timing. If you're a newbie, if you're an expert, whatever stage you're in in root work, this book is going to help you. And so I would really encourage people. I know I'm excited about this book. Um, it's going to fill in a very big gap, I think, in the books that are out there. Uh, the astrology side there never covers the hoodoo and the hoodoo side never quite covers the astrology. So this book is like a brilliant bridge that, that's going to fill a very big chasm or gap that's been there. And I hope others see the value of it as well and pick up this book because it will take your, your spell work to the next level. It'll take your knowledge of divination to the next level, but it also will take, it'll as this practical component. Miss Cat is, a, is an earthy Taurus. So this practical component, it's going to be hands-on and you can pick up the book and right away see the effects in your magical work. So I encourage people to really be as excited about this book as I am. Well, thank you. You know, Conjurman, that's so kind of you. And I'm going to say another thing about this book. I could have written this book to be uh, 600 pages, and right. it would have been a book. This is really a deep dive into one thing. If you went to a root worker in New Orleans in 1939 – or in Waycross, Georgia, in 1938, and he told you when to cast your spell, how to cast it, what moon phase, and what moon sign, according yep. to Almanac. So another subtitle for this book might be called 
astrology for root workers with almanacs because <laughs> the almanacs were everywhere. They still are everywhere. You can find them online. Yeah. And these root doctors knew their almanacs. And it's so interesting to hear them describe to Reverend Harry Hyatt, who's interviewing them, a complete outsider. And, they, and they're saying things like, you see, on the first page, there's this picture of this little man. And then there's this little bitty boy pouring water out. And he's trying to describe astrology, which he knows very well, to Reverend Hyatt, as if Hyatt, the great folklorist, right, was a child. And he does a really good job of it. And then he tells you how to use all the, but you know, he's talking to a white guy, so he's also trying to be polite. And this would not be the Lucky who the Root Work Hour if I did not say something about a body fluid at one point or another. And I hmm. found new, and this, you're going to like this country, and this is for you. I found a new euphemism for ejaculate. All right, let's hear it. Spit. You're going you're gonna, to... Say, say that again? You're going to... Spit. S-P-I-T. Spit. Really? You're going to spit on Oh, yeah, yeah. He says, he says, you know, you have to have... You start with the, with the... When the moon is in the fishes and you spit in your shoe and then you're going to carry this around, you're going to hide this, and then you're going to bring it around to when the moon is in the head. And the moon's going to go down to your waist. Well, that's where he first starts euthanizing. Then he says, you know, I mean, you go down to your waist. And then later he says, well, you know, you're private. And then you spit on it. So what he's talking about is a spell to get a woman by um, ejaculating on a photo of her. Oh, wow. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that is yeah, cool. Yeah. It's a very yeah, and according, but but by the moon, not just you know you don't just run out and do this in a closet somewhere. Right. You know, although you do do it in a closet, he explains. Right, it. but that's that's what we're talking about. Like that, you take something of the magical act, the sexual food, but it's that timing component that takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's really this book is going to open a few minds. It's going to offend a few people. Oh well. But it really has the goods. This book brings the goods. And um, so I'm going to stop right there. Uh, maybe we can interview me about the book a little bit more some other day. But now let's bring in our guest. Our guest today is Doc Murphy. And in keeping with the subject of timing, um, which was really what astrology for root workers is about, um, harnessing your work to nature, Doc. Say hi. Welcome, welcome. Well, well, hi, everybody. It's good to be back. I know it's been a very long time since I've uh, sh- uh, showed up on a Sunday and logged in. And then my, my, my only reason was I just had a lot going on. But uh, it's good to be back, and it's good to hear you all again. And it's good to see so many people in the chat I haven't seen in a while. It's really wonderful. So. Yeah. Got, um, we've got so many folks in chat. I've given up trying to even say all the names. But hi, Doctor Sweets. They scrolled off. You know, I can't see them all anymore. Just the first part of the alphabet. Um, but uh, Doc Murphy, you're bringing us a very related idea, and this is magic by seasons. And so um, I know you're going to be presenting at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So mm-hmm. you're going to be doing a workshop on working with Southern Style Hoodoo in the frozen north. And we're telling people, hey, get grab some snow and put it in your freezer now. You'll need it later. Um, 
but this but this well I was thinking, you know, how could you send people snowballs in their goodie boxes? But I couldn't come up with a way. <laughs> you have to um, pack it in dry ice or something. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So but this um time what you're gonna bring us is a more generalized view of this. Actually much more um open-ended, which is working with the seasons. So tell us about this. Just um, plunge right on in and we'll follow along, okay? Sounds good. All right. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot for pretty obvious reasons. As you you know, I'm going to be presenting on Southern Style Hoodoo in the Frozen North, and I've been uh, collecting footage and caught a lot of footage over the last few months of of, uh, the, the winter here in Minnesota. Now I'm putting furiously putting the video together while spring is still trying to punch its way through. Minnesota's funny with regard to season. Paganistan is very funny. Uh, two weeks ago we had an entire week of 80-degree days. We all put on our sandals and lost our minds. Now we're back uh, at freezing temperatures again. No snow, but it's cold. This has been a, this has been a rough seasonal change. But I've been thinking about it because in, in order to do um, – Spell work in the wintertime in a place like Paganistan up here in, in, uh, in Minnesota, um, you really have to think about timing differently. I mean, it's, it's fortuitous that we've been talking about um, astrological timing, but seasonal timing is something that you have to think about too. Um, there are some things that you, depending on where you live and what your seasonality is like, there's some spell work and some magic that you can do pretty much whenever the moon or the stars tell you to. And depending on where you are, there are some types of magic that because of the season, you just can't do it. And you have to rethink not only whether that's the appropriate spell to do that time of year, or you have to rethink how you design your spell or what you use on hand. Um, you know, we've, been, we've been chuckling a lot about using snow. Trust me, we use snow a lot up here uh, during this time of year. It's plentiful and it's a gift. But um, there are other things that we use differently depending on uh, what time of year it is. And I think about it a lot, too, because I I think it's sort of, to me, like an extension of the doctrine of signatures. Um, We talked about that several weeks ago. Um, I think your seasons also tell you what kind of magic you should be doing. The seasons also give you messages and give you information about what's going to work and what you should be using and, and what the timing um, is that's appropriate. Um, so, you know, yeah, kind of the example I use, and I'm going to be talking about a little bit, is, you know, if, if, if suddenly you realize you need graveyard dirt and it's January in Minnesota, you're not going to get graveyard dirt you've got to think of something else. But there are other interesting things that we can do here too. Um, and other places where, I know um, a place like California has a, has a more subtle seasonality. Uh, we don't have quite the <laughs> highs and lows that we do here in Minnesota. And there's probably uh, things seasonally that you still have to make decisions about depending on whether it's rainy season or sunny season or all sorts of things. Wherever you are in the world, your seasons are telling you how to design your spell. So that's that's kind of the general overview there. Yeah. I like what you said that we have a more subtle seasonality. We call it weather. <laughs> and we, we just have weather. Um, or as my friend uh, James Dodson said, we have a a series of unprecedented meteorological events. 
<laughs> um, but for us, there there are trees that are and shrubs that are introduced from the east, which do shed their leaves stupidly in the winter. They haven't yet adjusted to living in California for the rest of the eons. And so like willow, for instance, and we do have to go and pick those willow leaves before winter because they just lose them just the same, walnuts and other. But we also have a lot of evergreen trees out here and shrubs. So we do have some choice of materials that last through the winter. We also have, um, you said rainy and, and dry. If Just as you said, if you needed graveyard dirt and it was winter, you couldn't get it. For me, if I needed thunderstorm or rainwater, they ain't happening for six months. It's just not there. No, it isn't happening. So you have to store it up and get it nice and keep it the way you want it. So there Indeed. are, there are, yeah, there are adjustments we we have to make. And um, another one is um, you can't hardly dig a uh, fence post out here when it's dry. And one of the funny things you see is people going out with a garden hose and watering the ground so that they can dig a post hole. So if you want to bury something, sometimes, if depending on which kind of soil you have, you have to water the ground before you can actually bury something in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was noticing in the chat, Miss Mike Kell jokingly said, graveyard snow? Oh, no. No, 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 no. The other thing <laughs> I, um, with regard to that is, and I'm going to discuss this a little bit in more in depth, um, please come to the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. You'll learn lots from me about this. Um, is that, you know, the, the cemeteries are closed for the season up here. You know, between uh, November and April, they lock up the cemeteries because they're buried under six feet of snow. Even if you could find your ancestors, you're going to have to dig all that snow out. Even if you were dumb enough to jump the fence and land in the snow and do that. Um, and even if you were able to dig out under all that snow, the ground is frozen. So, you know, when you have something that needs to die, what do you do instead? And I turn you on to that. I give you the little tip that we use here. So, um but yeah, but th- then it gets you to thinking in terms of, okay, things are not going to be buried. Things are not going to bloom. Things are not going to grow in the middle of winter in Paganistan. But what do they do? They freeze. They stop. They harden. Um, they go slowly. You know, when, when summer fi- or a spring finally punches its way through here, I mean, literally when the seasons change here, it's, it's, it's not a subtle kind of, um, you know, drifting into the next like uh, season, literally, it's sort of like dropping a box, and uh, it, the flowers and buds literally punch their way into existence when it's finally time. They almost kind of go one, two, three now, and so <laughs> that sort of force is useful in the springtime around here. In the summer, things are languid and they're sensual and they're blooming and they're fragrant, and then fall, which is everybody's favorite season up here, um, pretty much in. in Minnesota for some reason. Everyone loves it. Um, that's when things start to turn inward, when, when the, 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 the dark starts to settle. And just the poetry of the seasons, just, just, just uh, observing um, the sensory you know, input of the seasons is enough to give you information on how to craft your spell. You know, are you going to need more light because it's getting darker? Get out those candles. Is we, you know, the sun doesn't go down until like 10:30 p.m. in the summertime here. There's not a lot of candles going on, but we have other things that we can do because there's still plenty of light um, and that are more effective. So that's that's some of the things that I've been thinking of. Yeah, you know, it, 
um, our friend Johannes Gardbach, the man who wrote uh, Trolldom, the book on Norse magic, uh, had a lot to say about that in parts of Norway that are fully inhabited. You know, they don't have any uh, sunrise at all during the winter. That's true. And they have no sunset during the summer. And so their seasons adapt, their holidays adapt. They basically have moved what in um, most of the temperate world, I would say, what we would call May Day, the first, you know, big spring festival, Beltane, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They have moved that to midsummer because at Beltane, it's still frozen there. And so their big dancing around the maypole happens at midsummer. And people are adaptable. You know, you get what you get in the nature that's mm. around you. It's it's not something that can be taught so much out of a book as it is something that you have to experience walking out. Um, I also am going to put in a little bit of a word about climate change. We have been experiencing um, warmer and drier weather here in California, except for this last year, which made up for everything. Uh, being wetter, but not colder than usual. And we find that the cycle of bloom of the flowers has begun to change. Not all flowers. Uh, Remember you mentioned bulbs that push themselves up and just bloom. They haven't changed a lot. They don't, they're underground and they're not thinking about the sun. They're thinking about temperature. But flowers that carry their buds out in the sunlight they are becoming a little confused because they're measuring warmth and sunlight together. And flowers that used to bloom, particularly roses, that used to bloom in mid-May are now blooming in late April. Irises also, which are a Mm -hmm. root plant, but their root is laying on top, half on top of the ground, and they're getting sunlight on their Mm -hmm. warmth roots. And they're changing their bloom seasons. And this is important to understand. I'm not going to wring my hands and scream about the death of the planet right this time. That's another show. But it is something to take into account when you think about working with flowers, particularly with the colors of flowers, with the colors of the seasons. Um, Be aware of the changes that are happening. I want to bring Conjurman in here. He's been silent. Conjurman. What do you think about working with the seasons? And can you give us maybe of a spell that you might work according to the seasons? Yeah, I think there is a lot that can be done with seasons. When we think of timing, we think uh, predominantly as a form of natural timing. It can include mm-hmm. uh, light, so the rising of the sun, the setting of the sun, the waxing and the waning of the moon. It can include uh, uh, seasons. So that is the movement of the sun. Sun indicates, for example, the spring equinox versus the vernal equinox. The seasons are a form of timing that exists. And then there's also constructed time. So the movement of the clock. Are you doing it when the sun and the clock hands are increasing or decreasing, rising or falling? That's another form of timing. But in this way, light and and seasonal time actually work a lot in, in common because seasonal time is related to light itself. You know, how many hours of a day do you have? Is the day increasing? Is the day shrinking? That is important to take into consideration. So seasons have 
um, responses. You can see flowers blooming, flowers wilting. You can see the trees turn the leaves turning brown and red and gold. You can see that, but it also has a time component. Are the days getting longer? Are the days getting shorter? Are the nights getting longer? Are the nights getting shorter? And that metaphor and symbolism can be incorporated in your tunnel. And there's generally in your magical work, there's two ways that is done. One is the acknowledgement of the seasons themselves, what we call magic for the seasons. And this is uh, found in many traditions around the world. The noting when the spring equinox happens. We, for example, mentioned how that is considered to be the solar new year. It's the new year both astrologically, but also found in a variety of different cultures that celebrate it. For example, the Persian culture of Nowruz, where it celebrates the coming of the spring with a variety of different practices like the culling of eggs and the placing out of of sweets to bring in goodness and sweets uh, versus uh, the winter solstice festivals where it involves the lighting of fires uh, and keeping the dark at bay. So there's a whole tradition about recognizing and acknowledging the seasons themselves and tapping into the meaning of the seasons. So spring represents renewal. So you're going to do things about renewal. You're going to uh, acknowledge the renewal of life that comes with spring. Winter represents the coming of the dark. It represents the longest night. It represents the cold. And so you're going to do things to hold the dark and the cold at bay. So there's this sort of seasonal acknowledgement magic or ritual that exists in many traditions. And then there's spell work timed to the seasons. So if the metaphors of the seasons lend themselves towards certain knowledge of timing, they can also lend themselves towards magical work. Spring is an ideal time to do what? Love magic fertility magic, magic around family, magic around home. And so uh, I, and I've, I've mentioned this before, spring and summer, it, it reflects in the clients I get. Uh, the vast majority of my clients during spring and summer with a brief little uptake during the holiday season, but generally spring and summer is like everyone is calling me and setting up appointments like, hey, I need to get laid. I'd like a boyfriend. <laughs> I'd like a girlfriend. I'd like to get married. So people themselves mm -hmm. are already responding to it. And guess what? That's when I do the most of my magical work around love. I light my love candles at this time. I make my mojos for, for commitment during these times. So this, the symbolism of the seasons themselves lend themselves to the type of magical working that you can do. That's, you know, that's really true. And I found the same thing to be true. I use this method of helping people who are working on a long-term situation, you know, mm -hmm. will, Bobby, will Bobby come back home again or whatever. And I will tell them, you know, if we're in spring, I'll say, let's work on this at least until the summer solstice. And then as the days get shorter, mm -hmm. if he's not back, let's say goodbye forever to Bobby. And by winter solstice, you know, it's over. And um, we can then have the, the secular new year and bring it in with somebody else. And people usually are amenable to this because it does go with their idea of the seasons. Now, there are religions that are based around seasonal holidays, many religions. Um, some of them have allied those dates, the, the astronomical dates of the seasons, with certain deities or rituals. And whatever religion you have, it's 
pretty likely you will find some correspondence. You might find your um, religion a little out of sync with some of the other religions. There are the winter solstice religions or Christmas or Yule-type religions. There are the spring equinox um, religions. There are the fall equinox um, religions, and there are even the midsummer religions. And when these religions and cultures meet and mingle, you end up with mm. four big holidays. <laughs> and and then, of course, there are those who go between those holidays, and those are called the cross-quarter holidays. Mm-hmm. Less, less often celebrated, but very much celebrated among neo-pagans. And um, those holidays, again, have their own ideas, concepts, colors, and, and thoughts associated with them that lend themselves to magical work. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, circling around in, in a ritual, but thinking of what is the meaning of candle mass. Or um, mm-hmm. there I know that um, Doc Murphy, what's the name for candle mass in Afghanistan? Kimbalik. Kimbalik. Thank you. I'm <laughs> oh, It's candle mass to me. Um, yeah. Um, and the and word the word imbolic is uh, Irish for the time of the lactating ewes. So it's it's when the it's when the lambs are born. Oh, how lovely that is! Yes, ewes sheep have their their babies earlier than most animals. It's often a cause for concern, depending on where you're living with your sheep. Um, and yeah, so those those cross quarter festivals also come with ideas. And you can tie your spell work to those ideas. For instance, fertility magic. If you wanted to get pregnant, that would be a good time from the beginning of the lambing season on through to the spring equinox. Think about that as a time to really throw yourself into getting pregnant. The other possibility is count back nine months and hope you have a baby in the spring because babies born in the spring are healthier. And that seems to happen almost naturally to people. They've done studies where they, you know, just find out when people's birthdays are. And actually more people are born in the spring. That's why we have so many Tauruses on this show very often. It's, um, it's, we joke about it, but it's a pretty common sign because that's a normal human birthing time. So marriages, we do marriage magic. Mm-hmm. Of course, June is supposedly the month for marriage. The, the summer solstice and why is that because the solstice is when the sun stands still it's the longest day you can stay up and celebrate may the marriage be long and if the summer solstice has a growing moon on it an increasing moon so much the better because now you have made two increases for your marriage and blessed it and those are ways to work with the seasons that are very old and yet not talked about a lot with people who think you know I'm going to buy an oil and put it on a candle because when you think about the seasons, you're really thinking about important passages in your life, much more than just today. I need a raise today. And I can't wait until, geez, you know, the the growing season of the spring when money might increase and all of that. But that's another thing you can do is go by the moon and you can bring in the moon's seasons, the moon goes through the whole gamut every lunar month. And so if you're stuck because it's the wrong season for what you want to do, think about the moon sign because mm-hmm. it goes 
own little seasons within seasons. If they coordinate when it's spring and you have the moon uh, going through Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and it's the beginning of spring, you've doubled your power. Mm-hmm. It's interesting mm. because uh, speaking of uh, weddings and, and uh, seasonal celebrations, up here in uh, the upper Midwest in Minnesota, the most popular month to get married is actually September. Um, it's not June. Um, they pick September, I think, largely because they think it gets too hot in June. Um, and also the <laughs> up here common uh, month for birthdays is uh, August which is, you know, oh. nine months after being stuck inside all winter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> With fine. Doing winter, you it's, know, and that's a seasonal, it's a, it's a seasonal um, like um, difference, cultural and seasonal difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I know that um, in California, among, especially among my hippie friends, when we were all having babies, it just seemed like every other child was an heiress. Uh, Aries, Taurus, or Gemini. That was it. That's what we had. <laughs> we had a few little oddballs, you know, a, a little Libra here or there, maybe a little early-born Aquarius or Pisces, you know, but it was pretty much spring for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even, even like, uh, this is a really good point. Uh, when you live in places like California, Southern California, Northern California, you don't have a lot of intense seasons. Um, we're, we're pretty temperate. Uh, in Southern California, in particular, you're basically spring year round, <laughs> with the with this winter season where it sort of rains more, and that's kind of it. You're mostly in the 70s, uh, and we don't have this big changing of the leaves. Though there is a little bit, there's not a big one in comparison to the East Coast. You know, I'm I'm, I'm by coastal, and I'm on the East Coast. You know when it's fall. It's gorgeous. It's stunning. Mm-hmm. You also know you know when it's winter, right? Whereas here you don't quite know uh, when it's winter. As I joke, we're in uh, shorts weather year-round. But what we do have is a changing of the light. So the seasons are still there. You may not see, for example, the change, the obvious change in the colors, but you do know when the day gets shorter and the day gets longer. So even if you are in winter and it's like 80 degrees in winter, I remember I think it was a couple of years ago where uh, Thanksgiving in Southern California was like 85 degrees, 90 degrees. It was really, really hot. But you could tell by the changing of the light. And so you're working with the metaphor of the light, even if you may not necessarily be working with things like temperature. So it still is uh, apt for you. You can still take that those seasonal considerations in the type of magic that you do. The other thing to consider here, in addition to the type of, of, of sort of magical working that you do, is what you can do in regards to the materials, what materials you should take into consideration. For example, burning candles in a very, very hot day may be difficult to do. If you're in the high heat of summer, like California, or in the south, like Texas, where temperatures are going to, or in Arizona, where temperatures are going to hit, uh, so, you know, they're going to hit triple digits, going to be 105 degrees. Maybe burning 10 red candles for love is not the best idea 
because it's, it's just too hot in your house. It also will have an effect on the candles. Will the candles melt more? Will they, you know, these are things to bear in mind. And so your magic does change depending on what you have. Uh, Doc Murphy has mentioned it and others have mentioned it. For example, when you're in winter, there's certain things you can't do in winter, right? Burial, for example, uh, is something that is difficult to do in winter, whereas you can pretty much bury something all the time. timing component to them in which they will shape the type of magic that you can do. There's also a practical component in regards to the material that you use. If you're in the rainy season in California where it rains for about two weeks pretty solidly during the winter, that is not the time you lay out sneaky tricks. That's not where you lay out powders because the powders will be washed away. Right? That's not the time for it. So you, you want to take into consideration the seasons have practical impact on the magical materia that you also use. That's a, that's a really good point about laying out powders in the rainy season. That doesn't work at all. <laughs> it really doesn't. Yeah. They just wash away. They wash away. And I do want to also say things about... Um, the vigil candles out here, especially with um, climate change, warming, global warming, we're having, and also because um, they're making the candles out of cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and more oily wax and less waxy wax, which is perfectly within their control, by the way, and they're doing it to save money, the bastards. Those candles just (laughs) melt oil and you end up with a glass full of what looks like dyed cooking oil or dyed mm. gasoline or God knows what. And the the wick won't stand up in that and begins to collapse and bloop, the thing goes out. You have to try to fish that wick up, let it harden overnight. I've done it. It's awful. And complain to your candle manufacturers if you find that because they should be able to do better than that. If it's going to be 105 degrees, you have to have wax that will stand up to 105 degrees. And, um, well, we're all suffering with that problem out here. Now, of course, some places this is never a problem, but I'm just pointing it out. Uh, if you were in Texas, if you were in um, Yucca Valley, California, where it sometimes hits 120, how can you burn Vigilites? You have to run an air conditioner to mm-hmm. run air conditioner to cool the air mm-hmm. so that you can burn vigil candles that's weird. And then it has to be in an enclosed space. You can't do it outdoors. So some of the ways we work are based on our civilization, the way it has been. And we have to think about these things with respect to the seasons. I don't ever feel like going out and lighting 27 candles on 105-degree temperature. I'll tell you, I just feel like I'm going to fall over. But I do it um, because that's the service I offer. But it's, um, I feel much nicer lighting those candles when it's a uh, cool 65. <laughs> yeah, winter in Minnesota, it's all candles all the time. <laughs> we, are, we are candle crazy. Um, not only because we have the, the, the cooler temperatures, but, uh, you know, the, the sun goes down at 4.30 in the afternoon. It, our, our nights are long. Um, like I said, we're, we're accustomed to this. This is what we know, and this is our seasonality. But boy, our houses are full of candles and pea lights and vigil lights because that's the time to do it. 
Um, it's, it's a kind of magic that works very well for that season here, but also we need it. We, we need the light. You know, it, it keeps us going. Um, a lot of the summer hoodoo is a lot of stuff outside, you know, uh, a lot of burying, a lot of going to the river, a lot of going to the cemetery. It's a bath. It's a lot of people are grateful to make a bath for whatever reason, make sure it gets nice and cool, and then jump into the tub or the shower and, and do a nice cool bath um, to, to do your magic with rather than a warm one. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely about adapting adapting Materia Magica, but also um, adapting timing and adapting the reason for doing things. I mean, some, sometimes you may really want to do uh, that moving candle spell in the middle of summer because it's the most effective thing. It's not probably going to work as well. So how do you rethink um, doing a, a spell like that with, with different material? Yeah, there's a there's a question that I used to always be asked by people. Uh, how do you take a bath at dawn when it's so cold? And of course, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about cold. <laughs> you heater in your bathroom for starters. I mean, you know, uh, but the idea that um, you are interacting with nature is very important to understand when we talk about seasons. Also, uh, one woman taught me something a long time ago that was very wise. I was of the opinion that you had to burn every candle all the way through. And she said, no, just burn it for 15 minutes, lick your fingers and and, uh, snuff it out, burn it again when you have time. It's a way of dealing with candles that were overheating in the summer and were starting to melt and um, lean or bend. You know what I'm talking about, bendy candles? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, So this may be part of the root of burning candles in section to keep them from becoming um, bendy or sloppy mm-hmm. there's a lot of of folk wisdom a lot of cultural knowledge when you ask the older people why they did something one way and why they did it another now that same woman told me to burn candles between six and nine in the morning and six at nine at night and i said but well, i'm not up at six in the morning and she just gave me this look like why not why aren't you up at six in the morning what's wrong with <laughs> And I said, I get up at 7.30, which was a lie, by about an hour. I get up at 7.30. And she goes, well, then you just have to get up at 6. (laughs) 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 She was an old old African-American farm woman from Louisiana who was living in the East Bay. It didn't even occur to her that, you know, you get up with the chickens. You know, that's what you do. And um, and I felt so stupid, you know, like maybe I can't do voodoo because I get up at 8.30 and I had to lie and said I got up at 7.30 and she didn't like it. So um, I learned soon enough that um, I don't have to sit on arm clock to get up at 6. I'll just set the candle at 8.30. Why not? Because mm. that's when I get up. So my dawn was a little later um, and I felt okay about it. But then as I got older, and moved out away from the city and stopped having to go to school and be at school at nine and all of this stuff that made me do things I did and live the way I did. When I moved out into the countryside, I realized she was completely right. She was absolutely right. Get up at dawn, take your bath, none of this messing around yet. And I mm. I began to respect what she taught me because she really knew her business. But in the city, 
so often people don't know not only what time it is, they don't know what season it is. And I don't want to gripe right. about people who are, you know, ignorant, but one of the things that is important to understand is wherever you are right now, wherever you are right now, you should be able to take your hand and point north. Just do it. If you cannot point north, please post in the chat, and we'll teach you how to do it sometime. But you should know wherever you are where your north is. And it's mm-hmm. easiest to find where your east is. But, um, but that's important knowledge that is um, forgotten by people. And, of course, then they don't know, oh, gosh, well, right now it's April, and um, 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 is that spring? I don't know. And so we have a lot of educating of the young to do, and um, we should consider it a happy duty to let them know what's happening with nature and what's happening with the world, you know, and why we do spells of increase during spring and Mm -hmm. spells of of things remaining and stabilizing in summer and why we do springs of letting go, uh, spells of letting go in fall and why, why we do kind of digging in and staying warm in the winter. They may not know that. Mm-hmm. They may live a 40-story high-rise with, you know, piped-in air. They have no idea. And so you have to teach it to people. Yeah, that's such an important – what you said was so crucial. At its heart, hoodoo is a form of natural magic. We often say folk magic, folk magic, folk magic, folk magic, and it gets lost in the conversation that hoodoo is a type of natural magic. We use candles, we use all these different things, we use jars, etc. But at, at its core, the power of hoodoo is drawn from earth, of, of earth, roots, herbs, bones, minerals, these things. That is the power that it comes from. And so when there is a disconnect from nature, there, there can be problems. And that's not to say hoodoo can't be urban. It's very urban. But those urban people still had a connection to their natural world in some way, shape, or form, whether it was the rhythm of waking up with the sun or going to sleep or whatever it was. There was some type of natural rhythm that they had a connection to. And I think that sometimes, particularly in the digital age, there is some disconnect there. People want to practice natural magic, but there's not always this understanding or connection. And this is when magic for the seasons can help you with that. Because by recognizing, even if you do something small, like every spring you light a, you light a candle for renewal, right? And every winter you light a candle to keep the dark at bay. Even a little thing like that can help you to reconnect to the rhythm and cycles of nature. So developing some type of tradition doesn't have to be that you observe every moon sign, right? Maybe you do. Maybe you are an astrologer like myself and yourself and you do this type of stuff. But maybe you don't. Instead, you can time it to the seasons, knowing when you do magic in the summer, what type of magic is best in the summer, what type of magic is best in the fall. These, these things can help you reconnect so that you can start to know where north is and you can point to it. So you do know where the position of the sun is and roughly what time of day it is based off of that position. So starting to do seasonal magic can really help you reconnect with the natural world. So, for example, one of the things that, that I was taught very early on and that I've continued as a practice was a type of seasonal work, and that is that every spring and every autumn, you're supposed to clean the altars. 
spring is when you do a really deep cleaning of the house. It's sort of a renewal. The house has to be cleaned. You have to do spiritual cleansing. You have to wash the floors, wash the windows. It's considered a really deep cleaning. And uh, autumn is when you cleaned your altars. So whatever buildup you had, now, of course, you did. That's not, that doesn't mean you waited until autumn to clean your altars. But it meant that mm-hmm. in autumn you would do a you would do a spiritual cleansing of the altars. You'd get rid of any res built up wax. You would kind of re rededicate them. There was this whole tradition that was associated with it. Uh, we used a lot of colognes, Hoyt's cologne, and eventually later on, a bit of Florida water was introduced, where you would cleanse the altars. So that is a way of of t- bringing in seasonal timing into the cleansing magic. Spring and fall representing the times when you clean, when you cleanse away. That's a that's a really good thing. And I just have to make a little uh, comment here to the chat. People were saying, no, no, I look to find east before north. And um, the reason I use north is because north is the way maps are oriented. But ironically, the word oriented means facing east. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> <what> you, <laughs> right? So what you really need to know is all directions. And here in California, downhill, I'm on the coast range, downhill is west. You, if you just, you never can get lost if you know where you are in California. If you just walk downhill, you'll end up at the ocean. So that's west. There are many little tricks that you can teach yourself that way. So, yeah, um, whatever it is. Um We have uh, Dr. Sweet's talking about water swirling clockwise in the northern hemisphere and counterclockwise in the southern hemisphere. Wait, is that correct? I'm not sure it is correct, Um, but we'll just we'll just give it a shout out anyway. Um, And um, Aya Asha Aya says, if you like feng shui, you need to know which way east is. That's true. The Orient, the east. And um, Mm -hmm. so all of these things have to do with placement on the planet, and then understanding the seasons, you're going to have to start thinking about the solar system. And, you know, it gets kind of big, you know, once you start thinking about the solar system. (laughs) Um, You want to be thinking about aligning yourself with the kind of work you're doing. Just a simple spell like cleaning your house. If your house faces north, the door is on the north, um, and you have to sweep a house and draw in things from the north, frankly, I'd get a different house. Because to me, a house with the door facing north is always going to just be drawing in darkness. You, you know what I'm saying? Now, what about all these people whose houses face north? I would just say, get another house. Think about it. When you buy a house, when you rent a house, wouldn't it be better to have a house that the front door faces east? and the back door faces west, think about it. It'll align you with the seasons. It'll align you with the time of day. It's a really good way to work. And um, most people don't think about these things. And this is part of what Scott Cunningham and some of the, the other Wiccans used to call living a magical life. Thinking about having the best life you can and orienting yourself to nature and that's what i mm-hmm. have to and to, now, and to know that season yeah to know that seasonality gonna, i'm sorry go ahead i said how many people are now going to move and go oh shit my house is <laughs> <laughs> well 
Well, I live in an apartment building where the front door of the building faces north, but the windows of my of, of my apartment actually face west, and my door of my apartment faces east. It gets complicated every once in a while. That's right. But, That's yep. So, I mean, seasonality is also about um, consumption, too. I mean, I think there's been lots of, uh, lots of shows about uh, what to eat and what to consume uh, with regard to, you know, we, we are very big on seasonal eating up here. Um, there's some things that are just not in season. And even if you do go to grocery stores um, where unse- things out of season are imported, and we tend to avoid them. We still tend to kind of know that this is, you know, it's really supposed to eat, you know, fresh tomatoes in the, in the wintertime. And, um, you know, heavy meals where we're all kind of, you know, in hibernating in the, in the wintertime, uh, we never want them in the summer. So following that seasonality as well um, lines up, too, with, with living a magical life and living a, a life, you know, correct with the seasons and correct with nature. Yeah. I, I have to say my house has a front door to the east, um, a side door to the south, a back door to the west, and on the north, there's a fireplace. This is an old hmm. house built in 1875, and whoever built it knew what they were doing. Yeah. Hmm. They they set it up just the right way. <laughs> Couldn't have done anything but myself. So, um, and there's some comments here. Um, Tiffany Towns talks about Asians taking this seriously. They spent millions of dollars to change the entrance to a Las Vegas casino because their Asian customers wouldn't enter it. That is true. Why would you want to enter something the wrong way if it's a magical place that you're going to go gamble? Um, and Onyx Rose says there's a lot of abandoned homes with doors facing north. Well, they shouldn't have built them that way in the first place. Just my opinion. <laughs> but then I'm kind of anti-city, if you guys haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should all have our own little homes out in the countryside and, you know. Now, one more thing. I think we're getting to the end of our time here. If you've learned something from this show, it should be that you do your best work and have your strongest magic when you're in harmony with the seasons. If you want to break up with that boyfriend and be done with him for once and for all, for God's sake, do it as the year darkens just bury him and when you get down to the end of it he's gone you know if you want your job if you want a lot of money work as the seasons come up towards summer that crown of success where the sun is high in the sky and stays there for three days without moving that's a success that lasts these are the things that we have to think about as we do our work well thank you doc murphy this is a great topic and i look forward to hearing you at the Food Heritage Festival going on about snow. <laughs> oh, indeed, there will be snow. <laughs> All right. For this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's clients. 
Our caller today is Phyllis calling from A, area code 814. Phyllis, are you there? Yes. Fantastic. And Phyllis has indicated that she's never had a reading before. And she writes, I would like to have a general life reading. I've never had a reading and I'm turning 40 next month. Over to you, Miss Kat. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Um, that's a lot to ask in a short time, so I don't know if we can do a complete life reading. Um, so what is your sign of the zodiac? Gemini. Gemini. Okay, that's it. Yeah, good. And you're turning 40. Well, I'll tell you one thing about exactly Gemini. Exactly one month. In one month. Okay. I'll tell you one thing about a Gemini. They don't actually finish growing up till they're about 50. So you still have 10 years of your teenage years to live out. I feel like that. Yeah, of course course you do, because all Geminis are like (laughs) that. The Gemini thing in the world. um, When other people hit like 21, that's for Geminis, that's 50. Okay? So I I won't be able to give you a life reading, but I'm going to give you um, some things to look forward to in the year to come. How about that? We'll just go with that. Awesome. See what's going on. Well, card number one is a card that I like a lot. It's a it's a card that says you are going to be embarking on a new project. This card is called the Two of Wands, and it shows a man standing on the parapet of a castle, holding a globe of the earth in his hands. I'm sure he knows which way north is. In fact, he has his globe oriented correctly. And he's looking out over the water, and he's planning something. Next to him is an engraving of, in the stone of two red roses crossed with two white lilies. What he's planning is going to involve both love and some intellectual things. Passion, I don't, but by love it doesn't necessarily mean sex. It means things you love to do. And he's got a, a wand in one hand, and in the other hand the globe. So the second wand is in a metal bracket uh, in the parapet there. He's waiting for someone. He has no ship yet. So this tells me that for this year thing to do, when you have your birthday, I want you to start planning some goals because this man has goals, but he's also going to need helpers. He's going to need someone to come along with him. He's going to need ships of conveyance. Don't just daydream. Be a planner. That's card number one. It's a very good card. Some people call it a card of delay, but it's only a delay for as long as you are planning. Once you have a plan, you will be able to go ahead, and you'll do very, very well. The next card is a card that is a card of difficulty to a certain extent, but it's not like the worst, most difficult card. It's not like you're going to be uh, thrown down and... Things are going to go really bad for you. I call it a card of difficulty because it shows a person who is being rowed across a river and their head is down like they're a little sad. It's called the Six of Swords. It shows a man, but we don't really know it's a man. We just see a person with shortish hair, polished, and they are pulling this boat across the river. And this woman and a child are head down and the boat stabbed full of six swords. You may move, you may leave. Some people call it the sad card because she looks sort of sad. But on the other hand, who wants to be in a leaky boat with six swords stabbed into it? 
It can mean the end of a relationship, but it can mean a physical move because she's going across the water. So one thing to look forward to here is that some of the sorrows that are accompanying you are caused by somebody who you would be better off to let them push you away and the sorrows will go with them. It's not your sorrow. And whether it's a family member, a lover, a job person that you know through school, anything like that, this person will actually release you in a way that may seem a little sad at first, and but in the end, you'll jump off that boat on the other side where the water is clear and flat, and you'll leave that turbulence of this person behind. The little child, I don't know whether you have a child or not, the little child is, can be any kind of a dependent. It could be a cat, a dog, and it can be a niece or nephew, um, but it can also I do. be... I have a kid. Ah, okay. Well, then that's Just, just me and him. So, yeah, so that child will go with you and will stay with you. So that's a good sign from this card. But there is some difficulty in understanding that you're actually moving to a much, much better situation. That's that releasing that's hard. That's the, that's the thing that's going to cause you some problems. But it's not a, going to be like a, a tragedy. You're just going to let it go. And some of the sorrow will go away. Third card is a card that is a good card. And I again another happy uh, card that to me says things are going to be very good for you. It's called the Three of Cups, and it shows three women. And this kind of goes with that Two of Wands. Here the man is first. The man is looking for somebody to be his helper. And now we see three women dancing together. This is a group of women rejoicing and celebrating a harvest. And it indicates a time of year because there are grapes and there are pumpkins. So we know it's fall. And the first card had lilies and roses, which is spring. And so when I look at this, I'm thinking, so this is a period, it tells me how long this reading is for. It's not for your life. It's from about your birthday, right, to about halfway around the circle. So the around here, the grapes and pumpkins, September, October is what we're looking at. And these women are toasting each other with um, glasses, but they're not drinking wine. They're drinking the new fresh grape juice, which they're going to make into wine, and they're very happy with it. It's a good harvest. This says that you should take part in group activities. And although all of the people here are female, that doesn't always mean that everybody you have to have in that group activity is female. It does not mean going out and getting drunk at a bar and toasting with um, liquor. It means celebrating the harvest, the harvest of what has been accomplished during the course of this year. So we could say from Gemini to Sagittarius is what this reading encompasses. And the most interesting part of it to me is that you will search for and find new people in your life and that someone or some place or something will release you. It will seem difficult at first, but when you get there, you'll go, oh, wow, this is so much more comfortable for me. And you'll feel a lot better. All right. Now we're going to have our next reading, and that reading will be with Doc Murphy. Thank you. All right. Well, happy birthday early, Phyllis. This is an exciting time for you. 
Um, I do a, a quick little four card reading here, which is past, present, complications or obstacle to the present and the future. Um, the card I have sitting in the past is, I, and I do read reversals too, so I'll, I'll translate those readings as well. The card that came up in the past is the chariot reversed. And when the chariot comes up, no matter what direction it's in, it's always a recommendation, I learned this from Miss Cat, to get an astrological reading. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of get a larger uh, scope of um, life patterns that you've dealt with and that are ahead of you, um, especially at this point in your life when you're kind of literally in your in your um, in midheaven of your life. Um, the chariot coming up reversed in in the area of the past. So when the chariot comes up reversed, you have, it, this is sort of like the the Toyota that's stuck in the snow that you're trying to get going. And it, it, it's it's the, the momentum is there, the planning is there, you have the route, but there's something that kind of keeps you spinning your wheels in the mud. And it probably has felt like that in the past where, you know, goals that you've wanted and things that you've wanted to do have been a little bit thwarted in the past. Um, the card that's in the present is a card called the Three of Swords. And it's quite literally a, a, a heart that's been pierced in three places uh, with swords, and there's a storm rolling in the background. This has to do with uh, emotional upheaval, um, with uh, possibly trauma, with change. Um, this is sort of the, the uh, kind of staggering kind of emotional issues that, that you likely have been um, dealing with more presently. Um, change is always hard. You know, if, if uh, even when it seems like it's a good change, there's always feels like kind of a, uh, and, and agitation when, when the change starts to happen, even if it's beneficial, that can kind of affect your, your emotional life. Um, the card that kind of complicates or uh, enhances or is an obstacle or, or uh, um, some, something that, that adds a little bit more meaning to your present card um, is the Four of Cups, and it came up reverse. Now, usually the Four of Cups it depicts a guy, and he's, He's kind of sitting against a tree, and he's kind of crossed up, and he's grumpy. He's got three cards, uh, cups in front of him. He's got another cup being handed to him by this this, this angelic hand in, in the sky, and he doesn't isn't really paying attention to it. When it comes up reversed like that, this is a very good sign. It means that you know you're kind of snapping out of it and realizing that you have people around you who will fill your cup. These are people that are your heart friends. These are people that are your community. And you have realized that reaching out to ask for help and ask for support is exactly what you've been needing to do right now. So whatever emotional upheaval you've been dealing with recently um, is going to be assuaged um, with this wonderful group and community that are um, your heart friends and that are your family, maybe even chosen family. The card that's in the future is the King of Cups. Girl, this guy. Okay, this is this is this is somebody that is. Um, uh, kings tend to be about the acquisition, the, the mastery of acquired knowledge, and this is the acquired knowledge of the heart, um, of the emotions. This is somebody that could be a mentor, could be a father figure, could be could be a future lover, could be a brother, um, one of those sorts of friends, someone who is um, basically. Um, holding the cup of, you know, your emotional happiness and is, and is going to hand it to you. This is the ruler of all things good and emotional. Um, this looks like somebody who is going to come into your life in the future that is going to be um, very supportive, very open-hearted, very loving, and is going to change things for you. Um, I think it's interesting that all these cups are coming up in both my and Miss Cat's reading. There's a lot of, of um, your emotional life mm -hmm. in your heart that's going to be filled here. So... 
um, you know, you're, you're realizing your strengths and your worth, and there's, there's something really beautiful for you at the other side. So I hope that helps. Thank you. That's wonderful. That's very interesting. I'm just going to add a little note here because um, she did not describe the King of Cups, but I'm going to just say something. The King of Cups is on the water and has a ship. And um, in the card that I had, the Six of Swords going across the water, there's a boat. So both of these might indicate a change, maybe a change of location, Mm -hmm. maybe a a change of people in your life. Both of these cards are similar and um, interesting that way. And the Six of Swords was similar to the Three of Swords in that both of them show something sad is, is involved there. Very interesting reading. Thank you, Doc. Um, let's go to Contraman, and he's going to give us our spell work. Yeah, thank you. I think you've gotten some fantastic uh, work here. Uh, first, I just want to ask quickly, do, do you know what rising sign you are? I'm a Virgo, rising. You're a Virgo, so you've got a lot of uh, Gemini going on in, in your life. I think you were... Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, you're a lot of Mercury, because you said you're a Gemini, right? Right. Okay, all right. The the reason I ask this is because we can break down a person's life pretty clearly uh, and see what's going on um, year by year. In your 40th year, that is when you turn 40, uh, Saturn is going to actually come to dominate much of the year, and the year will usually involve some type of it, depending on what your chart is actually doing. So you might want to get this as a I think the recommendation of getting a reading, an astrological reading is really useful. But depending on what Saturn is doing, it can usually involve quite a bit of restriction, rethinking, reorganizing one's life. Uh, and it may involve uh, your child. Uh, so you mentioned you had a kid. Um, the, the way that this works is that each house is also given a, a year, and you'll be in the fifth house year, which governs children. So there's all these different astrological factors that reinforce the readings that you have gotten. Uh, and I do, I would encourage you to get uh, some type of astrological reading which can further confirm for you what's going on. But just be mindful that there is going to be a strong Saturnian influence um, this year, that there may be some elements of restriction, rethinking, and revising that will happen. What I want you to do is a sort of general working for blessing that will cultivate the good that we've seen in these readings, while also giving some type of protection against any sort of obstacle, particularly since Saturn might come to govern this year for you, and, and Saturn can have all sorts of, uh, you know, um, tensions, can bring all sorts of tensions with it. So what I want you to do is actually do this working on May 31st. And the reason for this is that, is that Mercury is currently retrograde. So the ruler of your ascendant and your sun sign is retrograde. It's not the ideal time to do magic. Uh, and then it's going to stay retrograde until the middle of the year. But then it's not the rest of the, the couple weeks. It's just not the right time. Either the moon is waning or the moon is conjunct Mars. And so the earliest time where that's really good is going to be May 31st, which is going to be a Wednesday. The moon will be increasing in light. It's a really good time for you to do magic. If you can time it to the Mercury hour, even better. If not, um, try to do it as close to sunrise as possible. If you get it on sunrise, that's Mercury's hour anyways. Um, but that that would be uh, an ideal time for, for you to start this particular uh, magical working here. What I want you to do is get yourself a bottle of 7-Eleven Holy Oil. You can get this from Lucky Mojo. It come in a nice, nice bottle. 
along with a bay leaf. On the bay leaf, I want you to write on one side the word blessed, and on the other side, I want you to write your name and your day of, date of birth. You're then going to place this um, oil, you're going to place this bay leaf into the oil itself, close it, and shake it up. You are then going to need five candles. Set the bottle in the center of some type of surface it can operate as your altar. Then get yourself those small star candle holders because they, they're really nice. You can actually balance it right on top of this uh, small bottle. Uh, if you can't, you can you can use a different surface or you can place the bottle in a jar, whatever you need to do in order to ensure that you can place the candle on top of it. You place a small star candle at their light. You put a four-inch white candle that you have dressed with Crown of Success oil and that 7-Eleven oil. You're going to set that in the center. And then in a cross around it, you're going to put four orange candles. So an orange candle in front of it, an orange candle behind it, an orange candle to its right, an orange candle to its left. And you're going to anoint these with Van Van oil. Light the Van Van oil candles, the orange candles, clockwise, and then light the center candle. As you do so, recite Psalm 23 three times, and then let all the candles burn down. What this will do is infuse the oil with your prayers. Now, the, oil, the oils are already blessed, but this is to tune it into your prayers, to bring to you an abundance that your cup overfloweth, is what Psalm 23 says. You are then going to use this oil as your personal blessed holy anointing oil. You're going to anoint yourself. You're going to anoint your child once a month. You're going to anoint your house with it. You can even use it as a personal scent. It is a powerful oil so long as you work with it, whether it is by burning candles or as an anointing oil that you touch yourself and others. It will continue to bring blessings into your life and ensure that you make the most of this year and achieve all the good things that we're seeing in your readings. That's my recommendation for you. Let's see if we have any further adjustments from our colleagues. Wow, that is beautiful. And um, I'm just going to make sure we got this all right. The central candle, the white candle, is going to be dressed with the holy oil. And then the yes. four candles with the van van. That's great. So for those who don't know, orange is related to the planet Mercury, to Gemini also. Mm-hmm. And so that's a you, you you dialed that one in really nice. I like it. There's nothing really I could add to that because it's so clean. Um, you know, when you're making a, um, a special oil for yourself, like taking a bottle of oil and then adding something to it, um, it sometimes people will add a little bit of something of themselves. Um, but just make sure that it's um, something that's mixed with oil. In other words, you can put your fingernail clippings in, but don't put your Wow. All right. Well, that was great. Um, so now we're going to have our network schedule announcement and the vicious tritone of doom. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. LMC 
Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Sundays, 3 to 4.30, Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, Thursdays, 1 to 2, and Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8, all time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. All of our shows are available in archives at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com, where you will see them listed by title and episode and with clickable links. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com in the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Paganistan. Here's Doc Murphy. Thank you so much, Reverend Art. Okay, this uh, spell that I am sharing with you today is actually tailored from a ritual I did with uh, my, my pagan community uh, a year ago, and it is a Goodbye Winter Welcome Spring Poppet Spell. Good to do alone, good to do with friends. And it doesn't need anything particularly fancy, so all you will need is a river or a stream nearby. You'll need sticks and twigs picked up from around the land you're on, um, some cotton twine or another biodegradable material string, um, leaves and other natural material around the area to pick up to kind of add to it, and a brown bag prayer paper with the verse written on it from Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. So create a poppet, big or small, depending on what you need and how big the river is, by tying the sticks and leaves together and the things and the leaves, everything that you find around there, uh, with twine. Stuff in there also the prayer papers. So puff up a nice a nice poppet full of, of um, leaves and twigs and berries and, and whatever is around and then wedge in that prayer paper. Then pray yourself or with your group over the poppet. Sing even if you wish a song to welcome spring. And then with that throw the poppet into the river and let the river take it downstream. Walk away, don't look back, and know that spring must come, no matter how ground down from the winter you are feeling. And that is my simple poppet spell for spring. Wow, that's really good. And I like the way you work that with the group. Um, In the chat, um, Phyllis, who just read for us, said, it's so funny because I've been looking for my people. Sorry, this was just too great. So we did this spell um, is uh, something you can do with others who have a similar mindset to you. I love one thing about um, pagan spells. They often done in groups, and it's really different than working alone. You know, which is the way I was pretty much taught to do. That's a lovely spell, just Beautiful. Oh, thanks. I love I love oh. the use of uh, of the poppet here. Something that that most people wouldn't consider in, in this particular poppets have a particular uh, way that they work. But you can see the diversity of traditions around poppets here. I love that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the poppet that we strung together and used um, with, the, with the group ritual that I did, I, again, natural materials. And the song that um, one of our singers sang, he, he, he knew several languages, and it was an old, it was an old Polish uh, tune that was basically, you know, wishing away the goddess of winter and, and welcoming spring. Um, and I suppose I, I'm seeing a uh, sheep put in there. Turn, turn, turn. Yeah, the Bob Dylan bird <laughs> song is based on that verse. Why not sing that? Um, one one thing we we like to do is uh, we do have our moments for our solitary magic. Those solitary spells, of course, are are necessary. But uh, when it's time to do magic together, boy, we we really love to pool our resources. And so this this was a ritual that we did at the Hay River. Um, Fire Haven, our pagan, our pagan land that uh, um, we're turning into a 501c3 church very soon. And uh, I just decided, well, this is absolutely one you can do on your own as well. Smaller poppet maybe. Um, um, and, uh, you know, make it a personal thing. And, and let all those troubles wash downstream. Just let them go and turn around and don't look back. And, yeah, things have to change. That's the beauty of the seasons too is that, you know, and times when you think, as things ever going to change? Like the seasons say, they have to. They have to. This is not going to last forever. Um, so have have faith in the fact that the world does turn, the seasons do change, and things will change. Great. Um, and I'm just in a throwback moment to the old Now You Know show. It was Pete Seeger, not Bob Dylan. Ah, yep, Okay. <laughs> I win a cookie. I win a cookie. Come on, give me my cookie. I lose a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of my <laughs> Well, you know. Um, this, uh, I miss that show, the Now You Know show. That was a lot of fun. It is available in archives for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and Shiva says, hey, I thought it was the birds. Yeah, they did a cover version of it. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Pete Seeger. That's who did it. He wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> well, we have a um, couple of minutes here still to talk, and um, I would like to invite you, and Doc Murphy, to say a little bit more about your hopes, dreams, and wishes for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Are you getting your video together? I am up to my eyeballs in editing it right now. It's what I spent my entire <laughs> day <laughs> doing. And it's it's quite funny because um, while I, I kind of hopped on a little bit later uh, to do a presentation to replace somebody who, who couldn't do it. So um, I'm rushing a little bit faster, but at the same time that I was collecting footage, I underwent um, cataract surgery in both of my eyes and was recovering from that. So um, wow. it's been a lot of kind of jostling around. Yeah, I'll, I can see tree branches in another state right now. It's amazing. Um, but uh, a lot of the footage that I have of, of winter scenes and snow and that sort of thing were actually collected by friends of mine. Um, while I was recovering from surgery, they just grabbed their phones and their, and their computers and just filmed the snow coming down and filmed, you know, um, icicles and filmed uh, walking down the street in the snow and, and, and um, people doing all sorts of fun things in the, in, in the winter weather and beautiful trees covered with snow. So uh, yeah, it's going to be... Um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a, a, a joint visual project in that I'm, I'm putting together all this footage that my oh. friends very generously helped me get. But um, my, well, my, hopes can... that, uh, <laughs> my hopes are that my hopes are that people enjoy uh, 
um, the, the the presentation that I have and learn new things to uh, to do in the snow. Mm. All right. Well, there's our there's our music. So we've got to prepare to go. We're not going to go just this second, but we've got to leave Reverend Art enough time to say goodbye. So uh, get your tickets for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And if you like Doc Murphy, you'll love that presentation on uh, Hoodoo in the Snow. All right, we'll turn this over to um, Reverend Art, and we're going to get a lot of information, and then we're going to come back and say goodbye in our own several ways. Thank you, Ms. Cat, and thank you, Conjure Man, and thank you to Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com in the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Pakistan for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Miss Bree of Brianna Saucy, that's S-A-U-S-S-Y dot com, in San Antonio, Texas, bringing us a tutorial on magic for midlife. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Good night. All right. That leaves me a couple of minutes here. I want to give a special shout-out to Tony I. Um, I love what you did, Tony, and you know what I'm talking about. Secret, but good, real good. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to Chaotic Angel, who's been on our forum and is joining us here. Um, there's been a few people who have made this transition from the forum to the radio show. We're always glad to see you. It's wonderful. Now, we are going to have three books coming out for the festival. The festival is a little pricey because you're going to get a goodie box full of things, including those books. But if you can only afford the books, you can pre-order them now. Just go to the Lucky Mojo Forum and you'll find them. Good night. Bye-bye.